is AMEM, the Alpha Male Entertainment Network. From Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure friendly hotlines are open. 877 Dave 007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time. For the General, General Cigar, Cigar Day. After a long NFL season, we go from 32 teams down to two. And tomorrow it is Super Bowl LIII. Or Super Bowl 53 in Hotlanta, Georgia. And this week on the Cigar Dave Show, we will, of course, be focusing our time and efforts on the Super Bowl in two manners. First up, later this hour, we'll be joined by one of the premier handicappers, football handicappers in the world, Bob Stoll of DrBobSports.com. In fact, the Vegas Sportsbook had to accommodate his picks because all of his winners were throwing the entire system out of whack. And then in the second hour, we'll be joined by Colonel Ange in the Western New York Theater of Operations in the very cold and frigid pooch pit for Super Snacks for Super Bowl as we get set for the finale of the National Football League season, the one time of year where no matter whether you are a sports fan or a football fan or not, it is one giant partay. Long Ash greetings and salutations. A Long Ash snappy salute. Semper delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make America great again. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. It is your global five-star commanding general and Alpha male-in-chief from Command Center Alpha in the Cigar City of Tampa, Florida, USA. Hey, as always, don't forget, CigarDave.com is the website. You can email me, CigarDave at CigarDave.com. Follow me on Twitter at CigarDaveShow. All the other social media links are listed in the upper right-hand corner. All right, we've got a lot to get to in this first half hour before we get to Dr. Bob, uh, or actually Bob Stoll of DrBobSports.com in the second half hour. And as you know, Gillette went after all of us that are alpha males brandishing us all as being toxic masculine men. And we know nothing could be further than the truth. That ad backfired. And by the way, they're running that ad, Be the Best Man You Can Be, on the Super Bowl this coming Sunday. It is amongst the most disliked ads ever released on YouTube. I will guarantee you, for those people that have, been, that have been living under a shell or a rock or hibernating the last two weeks and are not aware of the Gillette ad that basically bashed the entire male species, their prime consumers of their products. If they haven't stirred the pot yet, trust me, their sales will plummet even more after that ad. And I will tell you about the Schick Fusion 5 that I changed to one note 
on a comment I made last week in a positive manner. All right, first up, toxic masculinity. Men are being brandished one broad brush. We're all toxic. Men are evil. From the time men get out of the womb, we are, we are just predators in waiting, sexual predators waiting to harass women, just boorish cretons. Nothing could be further than the truth, and I have two examples. First up, this comes to us down in uh, Kyleen, Texas, a Vietnam veteran, Joseph Walker, passed away of natural causes at the age of, of 72 last November. When the T- Central Texas State Veterans Cemetery announced funeral plans for him, they could not find any family since November. They put ads, they could not find any family, and they announced plans last week saying they didn't expect anyone other than the staff of the Texas Central Texas State Veterans Cemetery to be present. Well, media started to cover it, local media, national media, of his funeral. And what happened? Did he get 10, 20 people to show up? Was there 50 people, maybe 100 people on, on the high side? Again, people that didn't know this man. People that didn't know this veteran who served in Vietnam in the Army from 1964 until 1968. People did not know who he was. So would anybody show up? Well, yes. There were a thousand people, predominantly men, alpha males, masculine men that showed up. There was an entire, I think, battalion from one of the uh, army outposts that showed up in uniform. Mark George of the Christian Motorcyclist Association who officiated the funeral said, today we're not strangers, today we're family. This is our brother, Joseph Walker. A diverse turnout, young and old, people in suits, in jeans, motorcycle ja- uh, jackets, a, a just a total outpouring of respect from Kyleen, Texas and beyond. And as people said, we do not leave veterans behind. What an incredible outpouring. And when you saw the pictures, a thousand people, predominantly men that were there, rows and rows of of people, rows of folding chairs, people stood to the pavement. In fact, photos of his funeral showed the road leading to the cemetery was bumper to bumper, clogged with cars of people that wanted to pay their respects. Is that an example of toxic masculinity, Gillette? No. That is an example of what I call classy gentlemanly masculinity, alpha masculinity at its finest. But wait, as Ron Popeil would say, there's more. On this past Sunday's edition of the CBS Sunday Morning Show, correspondent Steve Hartman talked about the tale of Kathy Belt of Sandy, Utah, who has multiple sclerosis, MS, and it progressed to the point about 10 years ago that she could not get into bed without assistance. Here's a soundbite I want to play. I'm going to call it a list of 60 men. This is a perfect example that Gillette should have used instead of what they did bashing men as being toxic, of saying this is what men are about. These 60-plus men, 
These are a perfect example of gentlemanly alpha males, of gentlemanly masculinity. Let's hit the soundbite. I'm going to call this a list of 60 men from Sunday CBS uh, this morning. Kathy's miracle began about 10 years ago. Her MS had progressed to the point where she couldn't even get into bed. And since she lived alone, the only logical long-term solution seemed to be a nursing home. Until one day, the guy next door came over and presented Kathy with a list. A list of about 60 men from the neighborhood who were willing to come over Hi, Kathy. in teams of two to put Kathy to bed. Take off her slippers, take off her socks. One guy gets on one side and one guy gets on the other side. Lift her up, put her on the bed. Now, the list started at 60 men. They have a problem today. There are far more men that have volunteered that they can actually slot in. So they try to get everybody in. Because people, men, not people, men, gentlemanly, masculine men want to assist Kathy Belt, a woman who suffers from MS, help her get into bed. Gillette could have easily portrayed these men because that's what being an alpha male is about. That's what being a gentlemanly alpha male is about. These are men that are going above and beyond for a neighbor totally volunteering, and now the problem is they have so many men, they can't squeeze them all in on the schedule to tuck Kathy in and help her get into bed every single night. So screw Gillette. Screw those feminists that portray all of us that are gentlemanly men, that are alpha males, that represent our gender in the highest possible light. That's what being a gentlemanly man, a man or an alpha male is all about. People that don't even know a veteran who passed away paying their respect. Thousands, a thousand men showing up. 60 plus men initially on a list to volunteer to put a woman with MS into bed every night of the week, 365 days a year. Do we hear about that from Gillette? No. They're brilliant marketing people and gurus and MBAs decide, nope, let's go after the millennial men who, number one, don't shave that often, who think that by bashing all men, this is going to actually attract sales. Boy, talk about a major backfire. This is going to go down as the worst marketing campaign in the history of advertising, branding, and marketing. We played a soundbite last week from the CEO of P&G saying, well, we wanted to get the discussion going, and we think this is good. We knew we were going to get some backlash, but it's important we get the discussion going. You want to get the discussion going, Procter Gamble and Gillette? Then why don't you start featuring exemplary men who go above and beyond the men who go into buildings when there's a fire. The men, the first responders who climbed up the World Trade Center towers, even though they knew there was a good chance those towers were coming down or they weren't coming out. How about these men that unselfishly every night put a woman who can't get into better self because of MS, they go there every night. Why don't you feature them? Congratulations, Gillette. You have screwed the royal pooch. You've screwed your own customers, this one included.
I got more email. I don't think I've ever had a story in the 20, almost 24 years we've been conducting Cigar Dave Show broadcast maneuvers. I don't think I've received as much email on one single subject that on what Gillette did and the fact that I'm boycotting Gillette. I have switched after being a 40-plus year Gillette consumer. I switched to Schick. I received several emails from mothers this week saying they buy razors for their 16-year-old, their 17, 18-year-old. They said, after we saw that commercial, enough's enough. We switched to Schick. We switched to Harry's or Dollar Shave Club. But I can tell you that the number of people that I have spoken to personally, friends of mine, that have said, I'm done with Gillette. I'm done. I'm going to vote with my wallet. I'm so insulted what they did. I'm done with them. Perfect example. Me. I switched to uh, Schick. I bought the Schick Hydro 5. Now, last week I gave a glowing recommendation. It is now, I'm going on 11 days using the same blade. I am just stroking my face right now, and it is silky smooth like a baby's bottom. I cannot get over the fact that I'm getting a comfortable, close shave. The way that the Schick Hydro 5 head pivots, almost like a limbo dancer, it just goes all the way down, and it's just a very, very smooth shave. Now, last week I had one critique. I said, in my estimation, love the razor, more comfortable shave, love the lubricating strips. I'm getting the closest shave I've ever gotten, but I'm a little disappointed. One critique, I don't think that the edge trimmer that goes to shave your sideburns or trim your sideburns or around your nose and nostrils, it could be better. Well, this week, I went and bought a second Schick Hydro 5 to put in my travel bag. Loved it so much. I'm not like Victor Kayim. I love the razor so much, I bought the company. Hey, I wouldn't mind doing that because I tell you, I think Schick's got a far superior product, far superior than any product Gillette has ever come up with. But unfortunately, Schick is kind of like Hunt's ketchup. There's Heinz, Hunt's, and everyone else. And now you've got Gillette, which has been the big gorilla, 70% market share, now down to 50. It's going to drop even further, mark my words. Schick's kind of like the second, but I'll tell you, Schick is making inroads. And when people try this razor, it's off the charts. So I buy the, the second Schick Hydro 5, and I'm looking at it, and I'm saying, wait a minute. I'm looking at the box, and I see a little blurb, and it said, our edge trimmer allows you to get around tight areas. And I'm thinking, edge trimmer? What are they talking about? And then they show a picture of the how the edge trimmer works. Now, I have posted pictures on social media, we'll also put it on CigarDave.com, and a video explaining how it works. When I saw the side of the box, I had a aha moment with my Schick Hydro 5. You actually take the top of the razor, the top lubricating strip, you put your thumb on it, and you press it back all the way. And then it clicks, and it reveals the five blades, and specifically the top blade, which allows you to get very, very close around your nose, the nostrils, around uh, your sideburns, any other areas that you want to uh, trim just a little bit tighter. I was blown away. I said, how did I miss this? So to Schick, my critique is this. Love the edge trimming blade. It works great, but you got to do a better job on the package to inform your new consumers about how it works. It was just a small little blurb. And in fact, Sergeant Steve has changed. Sergeant Steve, you have changed to the Schick Hydro 5, correct? I have purchased it. I have not started using it. it yet, yes. I'm, I'm on All my right, last well, couple blades. Have you tried? Have you have you used the method I showed on how to open up and reveal that edge trimmer? Yes. After you told me about that this week, I did do that. 
Would you have ever thought figured that unless I had told you? No way. No. I would have missed it, too. I, I didn't, didn't look at the packaging. Who looks at the packaging? No, I didn't look at the packaging. Right, exactly. I didn't Unless you make it big and bold and, and obvious. And that's what they need to do is have a big graphic on the edge trimmer. That's very, very important. But phenomenal. So the edge trimmer discovery I've made, I rescind my criticism. The only critique that I have for Schick with their Hydro 5, do a better job on your packaging to inform your consumers about how that edge trimmer works. Okay. Uh, Howard Schultz. The former chairman, CEO of Starbucks, bought Starbucks when it was a one-store operation. Now he's a, a, a worth three, four billion dollars. Came from very, very modest beginnings. All right, nobody starts a, buys a business and said, "Gee, my goal is to take this one coffee shop and become a billionaire." I guarantee you, when he bought the first Starbucks from the original owners, he said, "Hey, my goal is try to make a nice living. Maybe I can open up a second or third or fourth store, put my college, kids through college, have a nice house, make a nice living." I guarantee you he didn't say, my goal is to become a billionaire. That's not how it works. I guarantee you Steve Jobs and, and uh, was it uh, uh, Steve Wozniak when they started Apple, they didn't say, hey, we're going to become a multi-billion dollar company. Their thing was, hey, maybe we can make this computer and maybe people will like it and buy it and we can make ourselves a nice living. That's exactly what they thought. They became billionaires because people love their products. Pure and simple. Howard Schultz being criticized from the ultra-left, number one for being a billionaire. People, uh, Cortez saying it's immoral, and, and we shouldn't have billionaires, and they're not paying, paying their fair share. So what? We should tell people, don't let your business be successful. We don't want to be successful, so once you get a certain point, just stop, even though people may love your product. Well, Howard Schultz was on CBS this morning earlier this week, and here's what he had to reply with, and it's a very poignant question that he ends up asking. Hit it. Well, you just played uh, Senator Harris as saying she wants to abolish the insurance industry. That's, that's not correct. That's not American. What's next? What, what industry are we going to abolish next? The coffee industry? And the answer, Howard, is yes, the coffee industry. And I've said this before. If you don't even smoke cigars, I said they're coming after your cigars. And people would say, well, I don't smoke cigars, so I shouldn't be worried. And I said, you should be worried, because then they're going to come after your soda. They're going to come after your steak. They're coming after your coffee. All of those products they're coming after. Latest example, headline, 60% of coffee species found in the wild could soon go extinct. New research shows. Well, it's fabricated research, but they're trying to scare people using climate change as the background. They're going after meat. They're going after livestock, saying, we should, we should all go to a vegan diet because eating all this meat contributes to climate change. A load of nonsense. So, Howard, are they coming after your coffee? The answer is yes. They started with your cigars. They're going after your steak. They went after your soda. They're going after your straws. And they will go after your coffee. Lastly, Colvin Cleaners. I'm going to play this real quick. Colvin Cleaners had an ad with Captain Paul's son, Chris, that's uh, Super Bowl-centric. I want to play this ad. Love it. What's up, everyone? I'm Chris Bellani from Colvin Cleaners. I know the city of Buffalo and all of Bill's Mafia are tired of seeing the Patriots in the big game every year. So we want to make sure you're ready for Sunday. So this week, if you bring any Buffalo Bills gear or any NFL items, you'll receive 50% off your entire order. So bring in all your normal clothes, one Bill's sweatshirt, everything is 50% off. All LA Rams items this week will be cleaned for free. And if you're a Patriots fan, We'll still clean your stuff, but we're charging double 
and all the sales are going to Jim Kelly's charity, the Kelly for Kids Foundation. So send in all your items and NFL gear to Colvin Cleaners on Elmwood, and remember, we are all Rams fans this Sunday. I immediately called Captain Paul and said I've got a Rams jersey. Do me a favor, send a plane down and pick up all my dry cleaning. So you got to love that about Captain Paul and Colvin Cleaners. Let's do a quick litation ceremony before we hit Bob's uh, stole of drbobsports.com at the bottom of the hour, handicapping the Super Bowl. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Last week we had Jim Colucci of Syndicato on, and we made the, he made the announcement exclusively that in addition to being president of Syndicato, he is also assuming the president-CEO title for Gurkha Cigars, and it's been a while since we've had a Syndicato. And one of the cigars we talked about was the Affinity, one of the first cigars they came out with, a nice mild to medium-flavored cigar, Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, Dominican and Nicaraguan filler. I've got in front of me the uh, Robusto, about a $6, $6.5 cigar. Fabulous cigar. That's what I will smoke today. Cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. Self-sharpening double-edged stainless steel guillotine, and I also have my litation device, the Cigar Dave Mala Make America Litate again. I'm going to go throttle up here. I'm going to cut the end of my Affinity Robusto. I'm going to gently toast the foot of this cigar, and as I do, this is a beautiful, mild-flavored cigar. Mm. Great draw. Very pleasant. Okay, I'm going to pour just a little bit of bullet bourbon in my snifter here. That'll be a nice accompaniment. Got my bullet bourbon. I've got my, and actually the wrapper on this, the Affinity, reminds me of the gold in the Los Angeles Rams colors. They're blue and they're gold, and I'm rooting for the Rams. But we have the foremost football handicapper that is joining us Right around the corner, Bob Stoll of DrBobSports.com. Fascinating gentleman. Been doing it for 20-plus years. We'll talk about betting on the Super Bowl and betting football in general around the corner. You, you need to add some alpha to your Facebook news feed. By following The General, you'll get the latest intel in the world of cigars, info on the show each week, and see what The General is smoking. Click like at Facebook.com slash Cigar Dave. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor.
Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. Well, we are just hours away from the start of Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta, culminating the end of a long NFL season. I'm not as depressed as normally because the Alliance of America uh, American Football starts next week, and then next year we'll have the XFL, so we'll have spring football that'll carry us until training camp of NFL. And as we get ready to watch the Super Bowl, in addition to Super Snacks for Super Bowl, probably one of the most wagered-on games in the world, the Super Bowl. And there's nobody better to talk about handicapping and the science and the sophistication behind proper wagering than one of the great names, somebody who's really revolutionized football handicapping and sports handicapping in general. Bob Stoll of DrBobSports.com joining us from San Francisco. And uh, Bob, fascinating background you have. Interesting. First of all, you, just like me, both native Buffalonians, but you left, you told me, when you were two months old. So we have that in common in terms of being born in Buffalo, even though you live in California. But we have one other thing. I took two statistics classes in, uh, in college. You, I believe, majored in statistics, correct? Uh, that is correct. I took more than two. More, you Much more than two. But I learned enough about <laughs> statistics two. in two classes to realize there are some really interesting mathematical equations and models that can be used in a variety of situations. And very interesting. Give us your background. You went to UC Berkeley and how you got into handicapping. Interesting story. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I went to Berkeley. I think it was my, must have been my freshman year. Uh, there was a, a football pool. I used to hang out at the at the bowling alley. Uh, you know, being from Buffalo, my dad was actually a, 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 a semi-professional bowler, one of the best bowlers in in, in Buffalo during the, during his day. And so I grew up bowling. So I was hanging out at the bowling alley. The guy that ran the bowling alley uh, had a football pool, an NFL pool, and it was two dollars to get in, and you pick every game against the spread. Now at this point, I had never even heard of a point spread, didn't know what it was, but I was intrigued, having been a you know a football fan and a statistics guy. Um, and I'd always crunched football numbers, you know, for my own pleasure. And I thought, well, I'll come up with a little system and try to predict something. So that first week I ran some numbers and, uh, came up with some formulas using the pro football guide and, um, put my bets in, uh, I think there were 14 games. I was 12 and two against the spread. My $2 landed me over a hundred dollars in winnings. And I was like, Hey, <laughs> this guy won the pool. I was the next week I did it again, and I came in second and won forty more dollars. And you know, as a poor freshman, you know, I thought this is this is interesting. So I just kind of got into it that way, and that kind of piqued my interest. And I started uh, reading as much as I could about sports betting, and and uh, you know, the, some of the stuff I read, I was like, ah, that might have some validity, and oh, that's that's a bunch of crap. So <laughs> you know, I just sort of formed my own opinions and tested everything. If I had an opinion, I I tried to do as much research as I could and sort of putting, you know, statistics into the mainframe uh, down in the basement and in, in, in the math uh, building at Berkeley and, you know, sort of started fooling around with different ways to interpret the statistics and the math and, 
Um, that's how it all started. And I actually, by uh, maybe a year later, I, I was betting my way through college, betting on, betting on sports. And then you began your service. And you know, one of the things that we've seen, all these handicapping uh, uh, tout sheets and call uh, numbers way back is stone-cold locks, guaranteed win rate 70 80%. You're very honest. You're saying there is no way that that can happen, but a gambler and, and, and using mathematical models can actually make money and uh, look at it as an investment rather than just simply throwing away money at a 55% win rate, which uh, you've been averaging just about, I think, 58%, somewhere along those lines, which is, on, an, on a year-in and year-out basis, phenomenal. Yeah, in football. I mean, it's, it's hard to do that in basketball. Uh, you know, you're looking, you know, professional betting syndicates are trying to win 54% or 55%. And you can clean up doing that with the amount of games, you know, in basketball and you just, you know, there's no such thing as a lock or a guarantee. I mean, in football, half of the games are determined by pure luck, whether it be fumbles, which are mostly random, uh, you know, kick return touchdowns, you know, and stuff like that. There's so many random things that go on that half of the spread decisions are, are purely luck. So if you're a 100% perfect handicapper and pick every game, if you're on the right side of every single game, half of those games you'll win because you're on the right side. The other half, which are random, you'll win 25 and lose 25. So the best you could possibly do is 75%. If you're a perfect handicapper and there's no such thing. Um, so the people that claim these, you know, 70%, 80% winners, it's just ridiculous. And there's just marketing to, you know, try to take advantage of unsophisticated gamblers who, who don't know any better. Um, you know, like, like you said, my 58% in, in college football over the years and then 58% more recently in the NFL um, is as good as it gets long-term and, you know, 54, 55% in basketball is about as good as it gets long-term. And there are maybe, you know, the wall street journal journal did an article on me, you know, years ago, and, um, they had done some research on, it, and they said there's about a hundred people in the world that can hit 55% in the long run, you know? So, you know, people that, and I hear all the time from unsophisticated gamblers, um, like 55%. Well, that's not good. That doesn't even cover the juice. So I was like, well, I don't know what kind of math you're doing, but, if you're laying a hundred, you know, one ten odds, you need to win eleven and lose ten to break even, which is fifty-two point four percent. The thing is, every percentage above fifty-two point four is two point one percent extra return on investment. So, you, if you're a couple percentage points above that, all of a sudden it's you know your four and a half or five percent return on investment, and that's compounded. You don't have to wait a year to get your you know four percent or five percent ROI. You can compound that. That's why at 54, 55% in a, in a basketball season, you could, you know, make 50% uh, of return on your bankroll using a fairly conservative money management scheme. And, you know, I have information on money management stuff on my site, as, as you know. Um, but, I, you know, a lot of what I do is try to educate uh, gamblers on the realities of sports betting. Um, you know, I, I like to say there are gamblers and there are investors. I want investors. And I try to turn gamblers into investors to think about it like that. There's no such thing as a lot. Even the best handicappers in the world have losing weeks, losing months, even losing seasons, just like the stock market has down years. But in the long run, you're going to make money in stocks and you're going to make money. You know, if you know what you're doing and have someone that's 55%, right, you're going to make money in the long run. You just have to manage your money well. And most uh, novice gamblers don't manage their money well. They chase or when 
you know, they're winning, they think they're hot and then they double up or when they're down, they, they dump a lot on the Monday night game and they end up losing more. And it's just, you know, it's just, Bad money management it really hurts people. Even you know, even if they're winning more than fifty percent, they're still going to lose more by just because they don't manage their money well. Bob Stoll of drbobsports.com, premier football handicapper, really in the world, uh, joins us as we get ready for foot, uh, Super Bowl Fifty Three tomorrow. Interesting article, Bob, uh, that the Wall Street Journal ran entitled "The Man Who Shook Up Vegas on January Fifth, Two Thousand Seven." And basically what was happening is when you would send out your picks to your subscribers on Thursday, the, the sports books would notice massive amounts of money coming in. And basically they were at a disadvantage until they finally figured things out and they would adjust the lines. But it's fascinating that you were able really to move the market per se. Yeah, I still do. I mean, now it's, it's, you know, I have to send, I can't send emails anymore and I can't wait till Thursday. Um, because emails get to people at various times, you know, and then the first people that get their emails, I mean, it, it, you know, I have most, I mean, a lot of, from what I understand, <laughs> this has been back to a lot of the betting syndicates have subscribed to my service. Um, and when, you know, and they're betting big money. And when those, when, when the bets come in, they bet them as soon as they can before the odds move. And so email is no longer a fair playing ground because, you know, some people get their emails faster than others and the lines would move. And so now I do a text service where everybody instantaneously gets the bet at the same time. And within 30 seconds, the markets move around the world. And it's not an exaggeration. People think that's, you know, a bunch of (laughs) of crap, but it's not, it's actual, I mean, I wish it didn't happen. I honestly wish the lines didn't move and make my life a lot easier. Some clients, you know, if they don't happen to be right on top of it, they get a worse number. Um, but you know, that's the reality of it. I mean, I have a lot of people betting a lot on the games I recommend, and the lines still move. But back then, they were moving, you know, three, three or four points on a college game. I, mean, I bet something at minus three, all of a sudden, it'd be minus six and a half. You know, within within that's a couple minutes. That's a huge minutes, difference. You know, I mean, that's a huge. It's unbelievable. I mean, three yeah. to six and yeah. a half changes yeah. everything. Yeah, and it no longer does it that much because people, you know. But yeah, that's. You know, you're eating up all your all your value. I mean, all they just made it so anybody following me would just not have any value. Um, and then it's t- it's it's tuned down a little, you know, a lot since then. Um, but you know, still the lines do move, and it's it's you know it's it's a it's a it's a cat and mouse game. I mean, you know, the syndicates now are releasing games earlier in the week to try to beat me to the soft numbers, and so I have to release games earlier in the week to try to beat them. You know, in college basketball now, I, I have to release games at 6.30 a.m. Pacific time now um, because the limits go up at 7, and that's when the syndicates want to bet their want to bet the games. And a lot of those, um, I'm on the same side of because we're doing the same good work uh, and, and we see the same value. And I'm just trying to get, you know, release them earlier than, you know, before the limits go up, before they hit them all. And now they're trying to beat me to it by betting overnight lines. It's just a... It's just constant. So I, I wish the lines did not move. I suppose it's flattering right. that they do, uh, but it's, it's a problem. And it's, you know, it's, you know, I try to do my best for my clients, but, you know, sometimes they don't always get the best numbers. Well, what many people do not realize about the line is the sports books or the online sites. They want to have an equal amount of betters on each side of the line. So basically, because they're going to make money no matter what, but the key is is you can't have everybody betting one side or the other. They have to keep it almost 50-50, and when they move that line, they're able to do that, correct? Yeah, well, it's just not the amount of bets. It's the, it's the amount of money on each side. 
And you might find a situation um, where 70% of the people are betting, you know, one side. And if it's mostly public action, the line might go the opposite way if there's sharp, you know, the sharp money's on the other side. And that, that often happens in the NFL, especially. It's a very, you know, more, more amateurs, you know, bet the NFL than other sports, and especially the Super Bowl. And, you know, generally the consensus side on the number of bets uh, on a side is wrong because the public generally doesn't know what they're doing. Um, and the, you know, the, the books sort of shade the line a little bit towards the public, you know, in some instances to try to get the public to bike. Um, and you're, I think you're seeing that on Super Bowl, honestly, with the line of two and a half, I think, you know, the public's on new England and right. that, uh, the sharp money will not be on new England. I, you know, I guarantee that, um, later, you know, they're hoping, I think, you know, the most of the syndicates are waiting for that line to get to three and by, you know, it may already, you know, um, be there, you know, sometime on Sunday. I think that line could get through, but as soon as it does, all the sharp money is going to come in on on the Rams, and it's going to drive it down. Um, so we'll see. I, you know, the public generally does not know what they're doing, and um, so you can see seventy percent of the bets on one side and the line going the other way, which is generally an indication that the public's going to lose. Uh, Bob Stoll of DrBobSports.com, our guest as we talk to him from San Francisco. Doc, or Bob, uh, it was interesting because you're not a doctor, but that was your nickname, I think, what in high school or college. Well, yeah, I, I, um, I grew up in a, in a minority neighborhood. I played basketball. I had a very, you know, sort of, you know, a street sort of style of play. And I, I, I moved, uh, my, my junior year of high school to a, a less diverse, uh, community, let's say. And I, um, I still had that sort of, you know, behind the back passes, reverse dunks, you know, a little bit more flashy style than my, uh, my, my new coach preferred. Um, I had one particular, actually in my first, I, I was so nervous in my first game, I shot an air ball as the first shot I shot with my new team. So my first nickname was air Bob at my new school, uh, which was not flattering, but, uh, after a while I settled in and, and started doing some things that were, you know, I got the nickname Dr. Bob after Dr. J who, you know, in the eighties. Ah, okay, gotcha. There you go. Yeah. The, you know, Dr. Bob man. sports sounds much better than air Bob sports. I got to tell you. Air Bob sports would not. Yeah. That would not. Sell no, a lot that, of that, that, that does not work. So, so, Bob, you brought up an interesting point. Uh, right now, the line is I've seen minus two and a half to minus three New England. Now, to me, looking at New England, again, but without getting into any big analysis, you know, I look at the fact that New England's been there, that that uh, Belichick has adjusted. He's had two weeks to prepare for a relatively young quarterback. He got Brady and his whole crew that are very experienced. I look at that and say – I'm surprised the line isn't more along the lines of minus four, minus five, even maybe eh, maybe minus six, but minus two and a half to minus three seems pretty soft to me and seems like a good bet taking New England minus two and a half. Yeah, there are some good points there. I mean, I, I think that, that you know, um, Belichick against a young quarterback, um, you know, probably has some advantages. And the thing is, Jared Goff, and I went to Cal, and he's a Cal guy, and I've seen this you know, from Goff. He's not good under pressure. He's not good when he when he's off script. So if if everything is on time and he's got protection, he's very very good. One of the best in the league when not being pressured. Um, but when he is pressured, his numbers are in the bottom half of the league among quarterbacks. So what they're going to try to do is pressure him. Now um, the Patriots do not have a superior defensive line, and what they've done the last couple weeks in the playoffs against the Chargers and Chiefs is they've used a variety of linebacker blitzes to, you know, to sort of get to the pass rusher. 
uh, that might work more against Goff than it would against Mahomes because Mahomes off script is dangerous. I mean, when he starts rolling out and doing stuff, you never know where he's going with the ball. Uh, so I think it could work more against Goff. And this, this is the one thing that's holding me back from really saying, hey, the Rams are a best bet. You need to play them. But the value is on the Rams. I mean, there's not a syndicate in the world that would have New England, I don't think. I, the numbers just don't back it up. And it might surprise people that, you know, in the eight Super Bowls that Brady and Belichick have been in, they've been outscored <laughs> in the Super Bowls. And they're, as a favorite in the Super Bowls with Brady and Belichick, they're one in five against the spread as a favorite. The only one they covered, they needed a 20 something point comeback against Atlanta and covered the spread in overtime with a touchdown. So really, they should be 0-6 against the spread in Super Bowls as a favorite. The one cover was the lucky overtime uh, cover. Um, so people love New England, and you know, he's always, Belichick's always had extra time to prepare, and they're still terrible as a favorite in the Super Bowl. They've only, they've only won one Super Bowl by more than, you know, more than three points in regulation. They won by four points against Seattle, and Seattle was at the door you know, about to score a touchdown, and didn't hand the ball off to Lynch, you know, so they could have lost that game. And the other one they won by more than three was, was the overtime game against the Falcons. So, you know, the reputation New England has hasn't really played out in the Super Bowl. So, you know, and, and, and Mc, Sean McVay, he's a pretty smart guy too. And he's had extra right. time to prepare. So, you know, I could see your point, And I do think that's a concern is that golf is not good when he's off script. If they get to him, that would change it. That's the X factor, really. Because otherwise, I think the Rams are the better team. That is the one thing that concerns me, is that they get a pass rush on Goff, he gets off script and starts making mistakes, which, which, he's, which, he's, shown, which he's proven to do. Except the Rams' defensive offensive line is maybe the third best in the league at protecting the quarterback. Um, so those blitzes are going to have to be pretty good. They have a veteran center, though, the Rams. You know, and they have two weeks to study the blitzes that they've been using in the playoffs. So they might have some of this figured out by the time, uh, you know, by the time the Super Bowl rolls around. So it's tough to say, but that is the concern. So I think you've nailed that, that part, but there's just no way that there's value on New England mathematically. So that's, that's sort of the, that's sort of the, the you know, the issue. Um, you could look at it two ways. If you go purely by the math, the Rams are the side, no question about it, but there are some concerns. Uh, Bob Stoll, uh, DrBobSports.com. We will wrap up this hour right around the corner because I want to talk a little bit further about the Super Bowl and some of the exotic bets that you uh, see. So we will continue talking Super Bowl 53 wagering right around the corner. Get the latest cigars hand-picked by the general each month delivered straight to your door when you join the Cigar Dave Officers Club. For just $22.95 a month, you'll receive three premium cigars in a customized Ziploc Cigar Dave pouch. To join, go to CigarDave.com. America is under attack. Basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. 
That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America, to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone, from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org. Cigar connoisseurs and enthusiasts love going into their retailer's humidor and seeing what's new, what's exciting. It's like a kid in a candy store. And we've got a great way that you can enjoy and sample fabulous cigars from incredible manufacturers. It's the Cigar Dave Officers Club. Every month, you will receive three fantastic cigars in an Officers Club Ziploc pouch shipped directly to you for $22.95. Now, in the past year, we've had incredible selections. We had the world of Davidoff, which featured an Avo and a Davidoff Winston Churchill. We've had cigars from A.J. Fernandez, from Rocky Patel, from Placencia, Drew Estate, Sindicato, Fonseca. Incredible cigars that you will love. Become a member of the Officers Club today. Join now. Go to CigarDave.com. Click on Officers Club. $22.95 per month gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. You will absolutely love it. Bob Stoles of DrBobSports.com joins us, one of the probably the premier football handicapper and as well as basketball uh, in the world. And, Bob, first of all, a lot of people are going to be wagering on Super Bowl 53 that may not wager. You really should look at it as any other game during the course of the 16-week schedule. Don't blow your whole bankroll on one bet or one game, correct? Yeah, I think that's what people, they say, oh, it's a big game. I'm going to put big money on it. And that's just a mistake. I mean, generally, the Super Bowl is, is not a game that you should be really betting on it on an, if it were a normal game because the line is so tight in the Super Bowl. And the Oscars are fully focused on this game. So, you know, unless you have really good reasons to be betting, you, you know, on it, you should just bet small, do it for entertainment. And I have, a, you know, some prop bets that I think there's value on, and we could talk about those. But, you know, do, yeah, do you know, things, we got about you know, a minute 20. Yeah, we got about a minute uh, 20. So go ahead and tell us, prop bets. You got any? Any worth yeah, doing? Yeah, I, I, I do have a few, and I think these are pretty good bets. I like Jul- Julian Edelman under in receiving yards. Nikel uh, Roby Coleman, who you know had that interference call that wasn't called in the championship game, he actually leads the league in fewest yards per cover snap allowed in the slot, and Edelman does all his work in the slot. So I think that's going to be – he's going to be neutralized a little bit. So I think Julian Edelman under in receiving yards – is a, is a good play. I think it's 79 and a half the last time I looked. Uh, I do like Rob Gronkowski uh, over in, in receiving yards. I think he's 54 and a half over in receiving yards for Gronk just because I think the receivers are going to be covered. And I think, as I said, Edelman has a tough matchup. So I think Gronkowski is going to be more, more of a, more of a um, open more often. I think they'll go to him more often. So Gronkowski over. And the other one I like also on New England's offense, Sonny Michelle over 17 and a half rush attempts if you can get that one uh, they've been using him a lot he ran 29 times against the chiefs and i think the game plan is to run because that's where the rams are weakest defensively is against the run it'll slow down the pass rush and they tend to play conservatively in the super bowl so i think Sonny michelle over 17 and a half rush attempts would be the other one 
Bob, I like all three of those. Bob, I appreciate you joining us. Fascinating. Can we get you before the NFL season next year for a little preview and maybe talk about uh, wagering and do a little bit more in depth? We'd love to have you for the entire show. Yeah, that'd be great. Fantastic. Bob Stoll, drbobsports.com. Check out the website. Tons of fascinating articles. He just gave you three great picks. Hour two of the Cigar Dave Show comes your way next. This is AMEM, the Alpha Male Entertainment Network. From Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure friendly hotlines are open. 877 Dave 007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time. For the General, General Cigar, Cigar Day. This weekend, the big game has arrived. It is Super Bowl 53, or in Roman numerals, Super Bowl L-I-I-I. But for all of us that enjoy the big game, there's something more important. It is the one day of year where the entire nation, the entire country, almost the entire world, makes it a giant party. You may not even care about football. You may not like football. You may not even watch one game. But there is one time of year where everybody congregates and enjoys massive and copious amounts of delicious delicacies. Buffalo chicken wings, hot dogs, Pizza, subs, sandwiches, beef on weck. The list goes on and on. And one thing is for certain, Sunday will be an absolute calorie fest, and we will celebrate it appropriately and give you the guidance you need as Alpha Male's front and center today. On this hour of the Cigar Dave Show, we welcome you back. Hour number two, wherever you may be, cold week, everywhere, about 70 or 80% of the United States, not cold here in the Cigar City of Tampa. Nice and warm today, but one man that will withstand the elements, whether it is heat, rain, sleet, snow, blizzard-like conditions, or Arctic conditions, is our very own Colonel Ange, who joins us now from a not-too-frigid pooch pit in the Western New York Theater of Operations in Buffalo. Although earlier this week, it was most, uh, I would say, subtropical, sub-sub-sub-subtropical. In fact, I think it was colder in Buffalo and Chicago and Minneapolis than it was in the North Pole, which is quite unusual. Colonel Ange, greetings, and happy Super Bowl 53 weekend. Thank you, General. Long, shivering ashes as we warm up in the great white north now colonel ange let me ask you a question because i know you never go out into the pooch pit with your eight to ten grills and smokers unless you have a lit cigar in hand and a libation 
So the question is, how long before the moisture in the cigar froze while you were outside earlier this week preparing the pooch pit? Well, General, you have to be sure you tuck that double Corona deep in your pants before you go outside. (laughs) Not too far deeper becomes a rectal thermometer, and that we do not want. And now the libation part, you got enough alcohol in there, you should be fine. Yeah, and the good news is the uh, ice cubes don't melt in the Bloody Mary. (laughs) That is correct. No dilution of the uh, alcoholic libation whatsoever. Colonel Ange, let me ask you, how was it? I know I talked to Cigar Mother, brutal blizzard-like conditions normally the uh, lake effect snow comes off the lake and hits the south towns at the Gary O'Brien's pub down somewhere in the southern tier of western New York with uh, Lieutenant Gary and Mrs. Harem of Wangina. But it was the opposite this week. It was the city of Buffalo and the north towns that got the brunt. Yep, it was our turn, General. We uh, got nailed. Uh, just now finishing it all off, uh, probably a couple of feet of snow at least that. Wind chills somewhere around minus 33, and uh, now they're talking about the temperature here in the Queen City around 50 on Monday. So with the wind chill at a minus 33 yesterday, we're talking about an 80-degree warm-up, which in my mind, if that happened in Tampa, wouldn't it be 147 degrees on Monday? That would be about right. That's a little too warm for us this time of year. It's nice. Today it's in the 60s, 70s. Uh, earlier this week it was definitely on the in the 50s, 60s, morning cold. But as I tell people, no matter how cold it is here in the Cigar City, it is far colder in the rest of the country. And actually, being from Buffalo originally, I like the little bit of cool, chilly, crisp air here down in Florida. You get to wear a pullover. In fact, earlier this week, I had my Buffalo Bills pullover that I was wearing proudly. And uh, I like the change. It's a nice change of temperature, a nice change of pace. And the nice thing is we don't get the snow. We don't get the gray skies and the overcast conditions. Still get the blue skies with that nice, crisp temperature. And it's uh, just very pleasant. It's a nice change of pace for us. Although, did you ever think, Colonel Ange, that... You would look to the days of 0 to 10 degrees as being almost like tropical compared to minus 33 wind chills? I mean, that's actually the way you look at it here. Everybody was relieved to find out that the wind chill is now somewhere around 0. It's- I mean, yeah, I'm sure there are people in shorts already, uh, you know, breaking out the shorts and the, the short sleeve shirts because compared to that uh, sub, sub-frigid, I mean, that polar, listen, even the polar bears is probably too cold for at the Buffalo Zoo. General, I'm telling you what, it was so cold, they closed the nude beaches on Lake Erie this weekend. I mean, it's devastating that, for all of us here. That is a good thing, Colonel Ange. I've seen some <laughs> of the dames on Lake Erie. Not good. <laughs> That's actually a good thing. Now, Colonel Ange, let me ask you, how many times did you have to use the snowblower, or did Private G use the snowblower to clear out the pooch pit? Uh, I had to use it uh, twice every day since Tuesday. And uh, Private G, we do not allow to uh, uh, run that type of heavy equipment, given his um, oh his inability to focus. Uh, we could probably see the uh, snowblower in somebody's uh, living room window as it churns its way through an ottoman somewhere, and he looks at his phone. 
So well, actually, I know. think you were talking about putting a pool in uh, right behind the pooch pit. So think about it. If he keeps, you know, using that snowblower intensely enough, you'll have a nice big hole ready to go for that pool this summer. Yeah, as long as my insurance is paid up, I can't trust that kid with that kind of horsepower. Not yet. Well, if there's any issues, call NFA. I know you got a yes. contact over there. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, Caroline. So tell us, yes. in winter, what preparations did? Were there any additional preparations? Being so cold that you had to uh, conduct for the pooch pit to make sure the grills and the smokers were okay and ready to be fired up. I know in Chicago they had to set fire to the train tracks with kerosene, light it on fire, or the uh, contraction of the tracks would have caused would have been a, a big issue. Did you have to do anything? to protect the smokers and the multiple grills in the pooch pit? Well, what I've learned over the years is the best way to give it its own heat source from the outside. So what I have is a couple of propane tanks with the uh, clamp-on heaters. You just hook them up to the propane tank, turn the heater on, give uh, at least one heater for uh, human consumption and the other heater blowing towards the uh, smoker and the grills. And again, it's just because that temperature fluctuation changes everything when it comes to the time that you need to cook. So, yes, we I do use those when it gets to be that kind of cold. Under freezing, we pull out the propane. The rest of it, above that, you can pretty much judge on your own how to keep it. But that's important. The other thing that's important, too, is that one of the grills is on a uh, natural gas line. You want to make sure that you check that ahead of time. It can freeze. You don't want any cracks. Uh, if I do call uh, NFA for help, I don't want it to be about the pooch pit. That is correct. Now, one other question here. When you do get ready to fire those grills up, uh, any certain precautions? Uh, I know you said the gas line, but you know any of the other precautions that need to be taken after extreme cold weather? Well, look where you have your grills. Because uh, remember, wherever that grill is, you're going to have a open space once the heat gets rolling. So, it, you know... There could be water, there could be mud, there could be a mess around the grill. So what we do is we set all the grills up on a hard substance, usually uh, concrete, and make sure that there is a, a substantial rug carpet someplace in front of it to wipe your feet and to keep the area dry. As long as they're high enough that they're above the snow, you should be okay. But that's, that's really important. You know what? The whole thing is, other than the charcoal grill, the day before you're going to grill in this kind of weather, run everything. Run your lines, run your gas lines, make sure uh, your smoker, just make sure all the lines are clear and that they maintain their temperature once you plug in where you want it to be. And again, that could be difficult. Colonel Lange joins us in the pooch pit from the Western New York Theater of Operations. Super snacks for Super Bowl today. Colonel Lange, when you preheat your grills, it definitely takes longer, or your fryer, if you're going to fry a turkey or whatever you may do, you got to anticipate the extra time to get that grill nice and heated up because of the sub-zero conditions. Absolutely. One thing to keep in mind is it's not the same as grilling in July. You guys, you have to go out there, do it the day before, and then do it a couple hours before you're ready to start the process. Get out there, run them all, heat them up. Make sure that everything is working, and it'll give you a good feel, too, for uh, you know what kind of heat you, you have and need to maintain. Honestly, General, the biggest thing is not so much just being cold. It's the wind. When the wind picks up, it changes the way your uh, apparatus receives its air. 
and it also changes how much longer it's going to take to cook. If you have a substantial, sustained gust of wind, you may want to put up some sort of a lean-to or a pop-up tent or something just to keep the wind from uh, coming from that direction in front of it. It does. It makes a difference. The, the big difference is how long it takes to cook. That's what you have to look for, and your the wind is your biggest enemy when it's cold. Our alpha male, uh, our alpha males are certainly very hardy. They can withstand it. The wussified betas, not so much. They're probably in the house with their mittens and their 10 layers on, but alphas, not a problem in any way, shape, or form. All right, before we get into food, got to talk about libations. Got to have the bar ready. So, Colonel Ange, I know when you have hosted Super Snacks for Super Bowl maneuvers at the Pooch Pit, you always have a fully stocked bar. What are the essentials? Well, beginning, general, we always start out at the Pooch Pit with the same. Uh, gin, Bloody Marys. That starts our day off. So we get a good quality. And I know I've said in the past I appreciate a good London dry gin, uh, beef eaters. Uh, I like that. Uh, there are several. But we start with the Bloody Marys. That's how it goes off. And then uh, we start working on what's to taste. Uh, Manhattans are always a big hit for uh, Super Bowl Sunday. We uh, get the uh, Manhattan bar set up with our cherries, our, our uh, dry vermouth, and our Canadian whiskey. Uh, we get that going. And then dinner time, there are those that do prefer to have some wines. We have selections of uh, different kinds of wines, uh, mostly Italian here. I wonder why. And uh, then we have uh, usually post-meal tastings and lieutenant gary is really probably the best at that he arrives with all kinds of uh, after dinner drinks which uh, we all set out so the bar is set up ahead of time let them choose what they want but for the most part it's a bloody mary start made with gin it's a bloody mary sunday to begin and of course let's not <laughs> forget if captain paul is there he's going to have his bloody marys but he's going to have some beer as well and i know that craft beer is always popular up at the pooch pit yes uh captain paul is uh, big on his beer uh we make sure that we have a selection of craft beers in fact we had uh missouri matt up for the holidays and he's a big craft beer guy as you know so we make a run to the store and we try and get some of New York State's best. I like to entertain with uh, what comes closest. Some of our favorites, like Hamburg Brewery, which uh, always part of every show you do here. Southern Tier Brewery. We set up the craft beers. That's in a separate cooler. People are ready to go. All right, now. You got the libations. The next thing, you need to start off with some fine delicacies. Not the main courses just yet. And Colonel Ange, nobody makes hors d'oeuvres and appetizers alpha style better than you. Thank you, General. And you know what my favorite go-to is to that? Again, all kinds of entertaining, especially Big Sunday when you want to watch the uh, game yourself. You want to be a part of the audience and part of uh, spending time with your guests. If you have a smoker out there, your smoker is your best friend for appetizers. What I'm going to be doing uh, is to set the smoker up. We're going to make some appetizers. We're going to have some moink balls, which I know you've had before. The, and what uh, are, let's uh, talk about what the moink balls are. They are a combination of moo and oink. Okay, we have cow and we have pig. We mix the ground meat. We uh, then uh, flavor it a little bit with some spices, not much. Uh, get some cheese, cube the cheese in small cubes. Open up those uh, little meatballs, wrap them around the cheese, 
toothpick in them, wrap them in bacon, put them in the smoker. Maybe about an hour at best, 20 minutes before, hit it with a little bit of uh, barbecue sauce. So we have our moink balls. We also do the smoked uh, poppers, uh, jalapeno peppers, stuffed with uh, three different cheeses, uh, hit with a little bit of rub. Again, another toothpick, hold them still, wrap those in bacon. And in about the same amount of time it takes the moink balls, you have those, and you can pull those out, and you have appetizers to feed a crowd, and you didn't have to stand over a grill to do it. Uh, Colonel Ange, there is an appetizer delicacy that you make that is absolutely out of this world. It involves bacon, and uh, they are (laughs) your I call them your sizzling sweet bacon sticks. Let's talk about that because a wonderful garnish into a libation and is a standalone hors d'oeuvre out of this world. Thank you, General. We enjoy that a lot here. I make that, oh, maybe once or twice a week in batches. It's called candied bacon. You take thick cut bacon and I hit it with my rub and I hit it with um, maple syrup. You uh, put it on a wire rack, let it set up, and then you smoke it for about maybe an hour, hour and a half tops. If you keep an eye on it, it'll get crisp. It'll have this wonderful smoky flavor. It's sweet. And I'm sorry, I left out one of the ingredients, cayenne pepper. So give you a little bit of heat. Now, that is the typical garnish for our Bloody Marys, but also it's great combination. If I'm making some sliders, break it up, put them on top of the sliders. Everybody loves the candied bacon. That stuff usually goes faster than the liquor, believe it or not. And uh, the first time he gave one of those to me was geez, probably about three, four years ago. And I had one, and initially you get nice sweet taste, nice and crispy on that bacon, and then all of a sudden, about 45 seconds later, there's this very delayed <laughs> but rapid onset of some serious spice and heat. Yep, it's great. That's what the cayenne does. So my recommendation for that is if you're going to do it, spend a little money, get a good thick-cut bacon. Also, a little bit more money. Don't use the Aunt Jemima. Go out and buy some pure maple syrup because that really does make a difference. And uh, good quality cayenne pepper. Cautious with the cayenne because, general, as you know, that heat comes roaring at you. You don't want to have too much. But it's a great flavor, good snack, appetizer, garnish, uh, topping for just about anything. You can put it in tacos, put it on burgers. It goes it goes pretty fast in this place. Aunt Jemima and Log Cabin, I'm sorry, are not real <laughs> syrup. They're, I think, 100% either uh, sh- sugar or... What do you call it? Uh, the uh, um, corn syrup. Cor- corn syrup. Yeah, uh, you know yeah. it's all artificial. I mean, when you taste real maple syrup, and I remember my grandfather's cigar Abe used to take me out because a lot of places in Western New York in the fall, the sap would be coming. You'd get the real thing. What a difference! I mean, it's 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 night and day. It, it, I'll tell you what it is, Colonel Ange. It's the difference between having one of those gigundous. Nice marinated and brine plumped up Colonel Ange buffalo style chicken wings, or one of those little chicken wings that you get from like Pizza Hut or Domino's that look like they came off, uh, you know, a little, just a some little uh, chiclet. I mean, it's just night and day, and you hit it right on the head. You got to do the real maple syrup. Yeah, you really do. 
And honestly, everybody talks about expense. It's not really that big of an expense for the amount you use. I mean, you're not brining the bacon in this. You're brushing the bacon with this. So it's, it's, it's not going to break the bank, and you really do want the real thing. It cooks differently. Uh, I've seen it because I experimented with it a long time ago, where I actually used the uh, corn syrup stuff, Aunt Jemima. What a d- huge difference. The flavor uh, didn't even come close, but the worst part is because it was just almost pure sugar corn syrup, it uh, darkened up really quick. And didn't really hold the smoke flavor. It just tasted, you know what, tasted like burnt bacon. But let's face it, if you did want to brine the bacon in the real maple syrup, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Well, you almost are. You know, the difference between brining and uh, just layering on uh, the flavors with a brush is brining is you're submerging it and letting it sit for a long time. You really don't need to do that. Uh, there is enough maple syrup in that pan that it's going to almost cover the bacon. But again, it's 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 really a nice, bright, light flavor. And as you said, General, uh, around uh, these parts, uh, in there's maple syrup everywhere. Almost everybody puts it out. Trick right, is so with that, the, buy it fresh. Ahead. Buy yep. it fresh and use it as soon as you can because that because it's fresh and there's no preservatives, it'll only last about three weeks. All right, so so far we've got the sizzling sweet bacon sticks. We've got the moink balls. And next up, you need another hors d'oeuvre. And again, our alphas, we want it simple. We want it easy. So we've got about a minute and a half. Colonel Ange, give us the next item that our alphas should make for their super snacks for Super Bowl festivities. Well, you know what I also like to do, General, is get the smoker going and do something right in the smoker. So let me give you an easy one. Go out and buy. You don't even have to spend the money for this because it's uh, it's going to be smoked. Go out and buy a bag of frozen frozen cooked shrimp. Do it the same way. Get the shrimp, defrost the shrimp, hit it with a nice rub, wrap it in bacon, put it uh, put a toothpick through to hold the bacon, put it in the smoker, and then if you're into the barbecue sauce, hit it with sauce. It's only going to take about 35 minutes to cook. Hit it with some sauce or not. Bring it back out, hit it with some rub, and you've got shrimp on a stick. Or as they say in a Chinese restaurant, shrimps on a stick. Shrimps, that's right. Shrimps, shrimps. But we know stick. the correct, the, the singular plural is shrimp, not shrimps. Although the betas, they don't know the difference. Colonel Ange from the Western New York Theater of Operations, the Pooch Pit, joins us in a somewhat warmer pooch pit definitely warmer compared to what it was with minus 30 degree wind chill factors earlier this week and blizzard like snowy conditions when we come back for our next segment super snacks for super bowl we'll get to some suggested main courses everything done on the grill on the smoker to enjoy the big game Check out the all-new CigarDave.com. Get info on the cigars and libations the general enjoys during the show. Get recipes from the Pooch Pit and drink cocktails, too. You can listen to the show on our 24-7 stream or download the latest podcast to listen to anytime. Get it all at CigarDave.com. Hi, this is Rocky Patel. I'm here with my brother Nish and my cousin Nimish, and we're talking cigars. Guess what? 
They want me to vote on what my favorite cigars. It's tough, but I'm going to go with the Decade. I love it. It's rich, decadent, and smooth. Rocky, you know what? The Decade's a great cigar, but the 15th anniversary, that's the cigar. That celebrated your 15 years in business, and I got to tell you, it's my favorite. You know what, Nish and Rocky, you both are wrong. The best cigar is Freedom by Rocky Patel. This cigar delivers a lot of spice, a lot of flavor, and in my opinion, it's the best cigar we make. As usual, we can't agree. But guess what? There's a great cigar for everyone. I promise you, nobody works harder than we do to make you a great quality cigar. Come visit us at RockyPatel.com. Surgeon General Warning. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. Welcome to our exclusive CBS coverage of Super Bowl 53. As I do it in my master's voice and as I prepare for the masters, not far here from Atlanta down in Augusta, and I'm getting my knee pads ready as I get ready to kiss the ass of the current president of Augusta National. Well, we are ready for, forget Jim Nance for a second. I'm going to do it more Tony Romo style with more enthusiasm than Jim Nance. Super snacks for Super Bowl 53. Front and center today, Colonel Ange joins us from the Pooch Pit in a classified location in the Western New York Theater of Operations. It has warmed up. Anything compared to minus 30 is warm. Can't go much <laughs> lower than that. That's the good news, Colonel Ange. I mean, like yes. minus 30, minus 33 is about the floor. You can't get about any colder. Theoretically, you could, but... Highly unlikely. Now, Colonel Ange, we talked about some great starters, great hors d'oeuvres, great appetizers. Now we've got to go to the main course. Colonel Ange, I have been a wing connoisseur for many years, being from Buffalo. I have tasted and feasted wings across the globe, but I have never, ever tasted wings as succulent, as juicy, as large, and as meaty as your Colonel Ange buffalo chicken wings. What is the secret? Thank you, General. We're proud of that. At the uh, Pooch Pit, serve those every football Sunday, regardless of who's playing. And it's a uh, it's a two day process, and it's very simple, easy uh, thing to do. But give it two days. What what I do is I buy full chicken wings. I don't buy the little tiny small ones. Buy regular sized chicken wings. No Take pigeon wing. wings. Uh, you know what? We could do it with pigeon wings. I bet they'd still plump up. Too small. Too small. Okay. So we get the wings. We, I uh, take them. First thing I do is brine them. I think that's important to do that. That's going to do two things. It is going to plump them up, which is what you like, General. Makes them a little bit bigger, but also keeps the uh, moisture inside the meat so they don't dry out. So we brine them with kosher salt, uh, a little apple cider, water, and brown sugar. They need about four hours in that concoction. You take them out, you rinse them, and the reason you rinse them is because of the amount of salt. Later on, we're going to use some rub, and we don't want them to be too salty. So rinse them after uh, you're done brining them. Then uh, set up a wire rack on a sheet pan. 
dust the wings with a uh, good rub. Uh, if you have your own, great. If not, there are great rubs out there. Look for a good poultry rub. Uh, one of my favorites is the Zero to Hero rub. That works on just about anything. Easier, make your own. Hit them, uh, hit them with a little bit of oil first. Uh, toss them with some oil so that the rub will stay on. Dust them with the rub. Put them skin side up in a refrigerator on the wire rack, uncovered for 24 hours. That's the secret. What happens is, is you are uh, double marinating the uh, wings. First of all, with the uh, brine that it does have the uh, brown sugar in it that has the apple cider or apple juice. Now you've got the uh, rub, which is going to set on the skin. Because there's nothing worse than having rubbery skin. The salt in the rub will help dry it out. So overnight, then bring the wings out at least an hour before you're ready to cook them. Don't worry about any cross-contamination. These wings will be cooked to perfection. Take them out, let them hit room temperature. Then what I do is put them in a smoker. You get the smoker up to around 240 uh, because, again, you're trying to keep the skin as crisp, crisp as you can. Smoke them for about an hour and a half. Before they're done, 30 minutes uh, beforehand, uh, double check, uh, run a, a meat thermometer in there, see where the temperature is. Ideally, I know everybody says uh, it's 165, but these are chicken wings. You really want them a little bit uh uh, past that. I like to get mine up to 180. So I take them out around one, no, 175. Then I take them to finish them off. I grill them. Get your grill going, uh, medium direct heat, toss them on the grill and brush them with a uh, wing sauce, not barbecue sauce. If you want Buffalo wings, you either get uh, anchor bar, make your own with hot sauce and butter, a little vinegar toss them. They only need two, three minutes. And the beauty about this is uh, why they're in this smoker, you're not fussing with them. Again, this is all about having fun and enjoying the game. They're in the smoker. You're not fooling with them. If uh, they've run their time, you can cut the heat on the smoker. It'll just keep them warm when you're ready. Two minutes on one side, two minutes on the other, brush them with a the wing sauce, and you have got smoked grilled buffalo wings. A big favorite here, General. Well, and I can tell you that when you put them in the smoker, it is so much different than when they're fried. Just the flavor that comes out, the taste, and the way you brine them and put them in overnight in the refrigerator. I remember when I came to the pooch pit and you, you took me downstairs to the basement and you opened up your refrigerator and there were racks and racks of wings. I was shocked. I mean, these looked like giant drumsticks off a chicken compared to wings. These were humongous. Yeah, they're great. You know, and again, we call the fridge in the basement the meat locker. We love to put them in a meat locker. And it does. They plump up the uh, water from the brine. It makes them do that. And you just give them some time. Honestly, to me, even if you're on the road and you're going to go, you could could smoke these things um, before you even leave. If you were going to a tailgate, smoke them in the morning, throw them in a aluminum pan, cover them up. Finish them on the grill. They travel great. People love them. Uh, they're uh, one of the big favorite, fan favorites here. We love them. All right, one more time, Colonel Ange, in terms of the smoker, temperature and how long? I know we both have the same master-built electric smoker, so give me a temperature and a time. 
Well, what I use these days is a um, uh, a, a natural gas smoker, but it can do them in anything. What you're looking for, uh, you don't want too low. You don't want 225 on this because you really want the heat to uh, crisp up the skin. Try and hit them uh, around 240 to 250, which almost every smoker will give you 250 degrees, and you need about an hour and a half. Check them again after an hour. Take a look at an hour, run a uh, instant read uh, thermometer in them, and shoot for a finished temp of about 175 to 180. And remember, temperature in anything you take off a grill or a smoker is going to rise by about 5 degrees. So if you're looking for 175, if they're 170, take them out. I know Butcher Dave and I, when he does his road trips catering, the Butcher Dave uh, traveling grill, and smoker, we do exactly the same thing. We smoke them, and when they're close, we bring them out, we let them sit, and then we uh, finish them off on the grill. So 250, hour and a half, but check them after that first hour. And you will never be able to buy wings the way Colonel Ange makes them between the smoke, the brining, the smoker, finishing them off on the grill uh, at any restaurant. That I can guarantee you. So Follow Colonel's Ange's, uh, Colonel Ange's recipe, and uh, we will stick that up at CigarDave.com. It's actually pretty easy, and I think we've got some pictures uh, from a previous Super Snack show as well. Now, Colonel Ange, we've got to yes. go to some main entrees. We've got the wings, and that's going to carry us for probably about 15 minutes or so. But <laughs> then we're going to be—and remember, the pregame show goes, I think, about four and a half days now, or at least it <laughs> seems like that. So we need enough— entree and enough food to carry us through to the big game when it finally arrives so next up in honor of the los angeles rams you have a special entree well you know general uh, you and i and uh and, and sergeant steve and just about everybody listening to this show couldn't find seven things to eat in los angeles because it's all made with stuff that either comes out of the ground or is molded into something else like tofu. But one of the things that they're famous for in Los Angeles are tacos. I'm going to make tacos, and I'm going to make them with short ribs, smoked short rib tacos. Smoked short rib tacos. I love short ribs. Oh, they and they smoke up just great, General. What you do is... I make a rub. It's a little. It's different from my other rubs because I want it to be a little bit more Latin or uh, uh, Mexican in flavor. I use uh, paprika, salt, coriander, onion powder, garlic powder. I put a little bit of dark roast coffee, ancho chili powder, and uh, poblano pepper powder. So now that's the rub. You take the uh, short ribs. You trim them up, try and get a good amount of the fat off uh, the bones and clean them. Take and hit them with the rub and then put them in the smoker. You want your smoker, again, probably around 240. This isn't going to be the typical uh, uh, Brady Fisher, uh, you know, 210, 211, 220, because you really want to get these things warmed up quick. Put them in the smoker. Typically, I use a, um, uh, a uh, oak for this, for my hardwood, I use oak with a little bit of pecan. Nice, even flavor. The oak gives you that traditional flavor, and the pecan is really good with beef. Take them, smoke them. It's going to take you probably, mm, I'm going to guess, depending on the size of the uh, short ribs, about two to three hours. When they're done, 
check them for the temperature. This is uh, a meat product. You really want it to come out around uh, 125, somewhere around there. It'll rise, eh, maybe 120, because it'll rise to 125. Then shred the short ribs. Take two forks, shred it up, put that in a bowl, and then assemble your tacos. We take corn tortillas. I brush them with oil. I put them on the grill. You give them about two minutes two minutes on each side, take them out, and then you dress them up the way you like them. I like mine with uh, uh, cilantro, uh, a, a lime uh, crema, which is uh, uh, sour cream and lime juice, some flat, fresh cilantro, and then whatever else anybody likes. You want cheese, fine, but I'll tell you what, I don't like, uh, other than hamburgers, I don't like uh, cheese on my beef, so I leave that off. Makes a nice little uh, uh, taco, and it's short ribs, baby. It's almost a Texas taco instead of an L.A. Ram taco. Now, Colonel Ange, let me take issue with something. You don't like cheese on your beef. Let's talk about the Big Ange Burger, which you can never go wrong with at any cookout or any time of year, and especially during Super Bowl, Super Snacks for Super Bowl. The Big Ange Burger cheese is a key ingredient in the way that it is prepared. Uh, General, I said, other than a hamburger. Oh, I missed I, it. Sorry about that. Uh, uh, other right. than a hamburger. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, yeah, Somehow yeah. I, was, I, was, I, was, I was so enamored with what you were talking about, the short ribs and preparing it, I kind of missed that. So I stand corrected. But let's talk about the Big Ange Burger while, while we're on it. You know, today, every restaurant you see talks about their stuffed burgers and gourmet burgers, and there's 488 burger joints in the United States. I mean, there's Burger Fi, Smash Burger, Burger This, Burger That, uh, Five Star Burger, Five Guys Burger, Four Guys yeah. Burger, 28 and a Half Guys Burger. Everywhere you go, there's one of the... Like, how many burger places can America sustain without saying, all right, enough's enough? But none of those places make the Big Ange Burger the way you do. Every, every other burger is puny compared to the Big Ange Burger, and that's obviously in honor of Big Ange, your father, you told me that was created in 1968, and it is still going strong today. Yeah, think about that when you uh, go and order a stuffed burger someplace. That uh, while that's really hot stuff, my father, Big Ange, who cooked, you know, all all the men in my family cooked, but uh, he saved his cooking for uh, weekends. And on uh, Sundays he made meat the balls, but on Saturdays he would make his Big Ange burger. He would take uh, a, a combination of beef with a little bit of pork. It's probably one-third to two-thirds uh, two th- uh, two beef, one-third pork, kind of almost a meatball uh, combination. And then he would make a large patty, probably well, not a pound, maybe about three-quarters of a pound. These days what they do is they separate the patties uh, so that you can layer one on the other. Big Ange didn't have time for that. He would take the burger, make it. And then he would stuff it with uh, provolone, with uh, some crispy bacon, and some Parmesan, and then seal the burger up, and then grill the burger. After he's done grilling, he before it was done, he would top it again with provolone, make sure all that provolone melted, and serve it on a hamburger roll. With him, it was with marinara sauce. For me, it was with ketchup, but... He was making stuffed burgers in 1968. I think he lost out to uh, the uh, uh, the uh, chicken wing by a year. I think they were 1967. 
Uh, 64. 64. Well, then that's it. He missed him by 64, four years years prior to that. And by the way, you may be able to hear the canine security detail of Pendragon's Royal Baron in the background chomping on a bone. When you started talking about the Big Ange Burger, he went right to town on that bone. And by the way, he's smashing, destroying that bone because I wrote Belichick, Brady, (laughs) and Patriots on the bone, and he is going to town on it. If you have one extra of those, General, send it over because uh, the super sniffer Toby would love to chew on that. He's uh, uh, said to me flat out he doesn't want to see the Patriots in another Super Bowl. Tough Who break. Who does? Except, except people in New England. Who does? Nobody. The Portuguese 90, princess. That's it. 95% of America is, uh, has become a huge Rams fan. All right, finally, let's talk yes. about a entree in honor of the Patriots. Not in a great way, if you know what I mean. Yeah, you know, my honor for the Patriots has always been, like yours, General, a dishonor. Uh, Respectfully, we like to make something here, which we will have on Super Bowl Sunday. I call it Brady's Full of Bologna Sandwich. Now, we've done this once or twice before, but it's a great way to uh, serve bologna, and we all know that Brady's full of bologna, and we all know that the way to make uh, Tom's eyes Twinkle is to shine a flashlight in his ear. What I do is I buy a full bologna, which you can get at any supermarket. Just tell them to go in the back and bring one out. Usually they come four or five pounds. Take uh, and have your special tool, which has been checked at several security, TSA security checkpoints, General, as I traveled back and forth to Tampa. You want a piece of pipe, copper, PVC, but copper works better. It's about two and a half inches in diameter and about a foot long. Stand the bologna up on end, run the pipe through there, and pull it out so you're essentially coring the bologna. Take that bologna and take cheddar cheese, some barbecue sauce, ch- chop the, uh, cut the cheese into tiny cubes so that you can uh, manipulate them better, put them inside the hole that you made in the bologna. Go back to your pipe, pull out what came out, make two plugs and put one on each end, put toothpicks in both so that it'll hold the cheese and the sauce. Next thing we do is I take Weber's mustard. I coat that bologna in mustard and then I hit it with uh, my homemade barbecue rub. I let it sit until the uh, rub sets. Now, that doesn't take overnight. That takes maybe an hour, maybe two. And remember, bologna's fully cooked, so it doesn't have to go back in the fridge. Just let it sit on a wire rack. Set up your smoker. This time, probably around uh, 225, maybe 230. Put the uh, bologna inside the smoker, and you're going to need to smoke that for about three hours, about an hour and a half Flip it over. Make sure it's getting all kinds of smoke. My favorite smoke for the uh, bologna would uh, be, once again, oak is a base, but then I would use a fruit wood, probably apple. Uh, Let that smoke, give it the the full three hours to do that. While the bologna is cooking, get yourself a couple of white onions, peel them, uh, coat them with a little bit of olive oil, cut them in half, and then grill them. Grill them both sides. They probably need 10 minutes before the bologna's out. Slice those uh, that onion into thick slices, trying to keep the rings together as best as you can. Once the bologna has come out, let it rest for 10 minutes. Then I cut it into very thick 
slices, maybe, oh, almost, eh, not two inches, inch and a half slice. Take, right. those, take those slices, put them on a medium grill, direct heat, just give them a flip. One minute, two minutes, tops per side. You don't want to lose the cheese that's in the middle, so be careful. Colonel Lange, you got 20 seconds. Wrap it up. That's it. Then you put them on a nice big hamburger roll, barbecue sauce, and you got Brady's full of bologna sandwich. And when I first saw it, I had no idea what you're doing with that that uh, pipe, but it all came into crystal clear focus, and we've got the pictures and recipes. Super snacks for Super Bowl. Colonel Ange, enjoy the big game on Sunday. Lieutenants and fellow alphas, the final and concluding segment of this Super Snacks for Super Bowl edition of the Cigar Dave Show comes your way next. The General is always on Twitter, delivering breaking news, giving you the latest intel on cigars, and battling the enemies of pleasure. Chat with the General now at Cigar Dave Show. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. Cigar connoisseurs and enthusiasts love going into their retailer's humidor and seeing what's new, what's exciting. It's like a kid in a candy store. And we've got a great way that you can enjoy and sample fabulous cigars from incredible manufacturers. It's the Cigar Dave Officers Club. Every month, you will receive three fantastic cigars in an Officers Club Ziploc pouch shipped directly to you for $22.95. Now, in the past year, we've had incredible selections. We had the world of Davidoff, which featured an Avo and a Davidoff Winston Churchill. We've had cigars from A.J. Fernandez, from Rocky Patel, from Placencia, Drew Estate, Sindicato, Fonseca. Incredible cigars that you will love. Become a member of the Officers Club today. Join now. Go to CigarDave.com. Click on Officers Club. $22.95 per month gets you the latest and greatest in the world of cigars. You will absolutely love it. The culmination of a long season, and there shall be no frozen tundra at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia, as the Rams and the Patriots do battle. Now, we have discussed with Bob Stoll of DrBobSports.com various prop bets. He gave out three good ones. I like them all. And we talked about whether or not to take the Patriots or the Rams. So here is my prediction. My heart says... 
Rams, Rams, Rams. America says Rams, Rams, Rams. If the bet, if the line stays at minus two and a half, I take the Patriots. If it goes to minus three, I go to the Los Angeles Rams. I want the Rams to win. And I also want all of you to enjoy fantastic super snacks for Super Bowl. Enjoy the big game with great cigars, great libations, great delicacies. Do so safely. Cigar Dave, the general say, Mayor Humidor always be full. Mayor Cutter always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make America great again. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. For the sake of every Buffalo Bills fan and every other anti-Patriots fan, go Los Angeles Rams.